You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey everybody, welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky stuff happening in the world around us and how excited we are about it. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me as always is Jonathan Techboy Strickland. Hey there, Ariel. I got a question for you. You've been cursed. What classic type of monster do you turn into? I would turn into a swamp thing. Oh, okay. All right. A swamp thing. No. So like, no. Well, a mermaid's not a monster. I could be a side. No, I want to be a swamp thing. I like the swamp thing. So I'll be okay. a swamp thing. I mean, it's fair enough. Yeah, I like I like how everyone can tell that we don't pre-share these questions because <laughs> that proves it right there. Ariel Swamp Thing Casted. <laughs> Ariel Swamp Thing Casted. All right. Glub glub. Good. Yeah, I mean, well, it's just because, again, like... When I think classic monster, I'm like, well, a siren, uh, it's more of like a mythological beast than a classic monster. Mermaid's not really a monster. Some people might find it monstrous. There's certainly monstrous mermaids. But yeah, Swamp Thing, that is like a classic Hollywood level classic monster. So it still has to do with wet water stuff. stuff. So are you thinking like Swamp Thing, like the mossy Swamp Thing, gooey Swamp Thing? Or are you thinking... Like a swamp monster a la Creature from the Black Lagoon. 
I mean, I wouldn't turn my nose up at either. I definitely think like Creature from the Black Lagoon has better aesthetics. Yeah. But I do like having long hair, so maybe the mossy swamp thing. Plus, you know, if you go by the the DC version of that, then he's also kind of a uh he cares about the environment. Yeah, so he's a hero. Yeah. All right, yeah, cool. So, and a monster. What about you? The blob. <laughs> I I ever since lockdown the blob oh, I feel so like is that what is that what you currently feel like or is that what you would want to be no it's pretty much what I feel like I have a feeling that the curse would just you know amplify what I feel like and while right now I just uh, kind of imagine myself slowly oozing my way from place to place through osmosis uh, I think the curse would just make it a reality and and I would I, mean, I would be the blob it sounds relaxing and people would write little catchy pop tunes about me. Beware of the blob. It creeps and sleeps and slides and glides across the floor <laughs> and through the door. You I, know? I get I guess by that logic, Swamp Thing is also accurate because Georgia is really friggin humid. It's true. It's true. We, we don't live near the swamps of Georgia. Those are in the southern part of the state and we are in Atlanta. But there are days when you step outside and it feels like you just walked into a swamp. So I totally get it. See, now I thought you were going to pick like a Dracula, like a vampire, but like the the suave kind of vampire. I, I like that you say a Dracula, not <laughs> not a vampire, but a which reminds me of a time when I watched an improv show and there was an invading force and the invading force were three Draculas, not three vampires, three Draculas. <laughs> I mean... Uh, yeah, there. I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. It's because I say blah all the time. It's and you know you're pretty upper crust, and to me, Dracula is very right. high society. Fancy, fancy pants monsters. Yes. Well, you know what? This uh, incredibly fruitful conversation is going to now <laughs> lead into completely unrelated news items, and the first that we're going to talk about is an upcoming uh, adaptation of Mark Miller and Frank Quietly's uh, comic book series, Jupiter's Legacy. Uh, There's now going to be a a live action series on Netflix and there's a trailer for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a Netflix show. Wait, did you already say that? I did, but go ahead and say it again. Say it proud. Oh, fine. It is a Netflix show. Um, and it, it focuses on the children of well-established superheroes who are now having to take up the mantle, how they feel about that, whether, you know, some of them obviously are hesitant. They don't feel like a hero, don't want to be a hero, whatever the reason is. And sort of the social commentary around that, I guess. Yeah, I think it, it to me, it reminds me a lot of series like uh, or, or, you know, properties like Watchmen and mm-hmm. uh maybe invincible a uh, couple of other series where it's, it's sort of an exploration of what, what role would superheroes really play and what do they really mean? And uh, how would they fit within the context of actual social crises? So interesting concepts, things that like go beyond just the, the, the surface level superhero stuff but it's also what we're already seeing in properties like the MCU. I actually think we're entering into an era 
of superhero property as a means of delivering social commentary, very much in the same way that science fiction frequently plays that part. I, I agree. And and even to the point of like, I see all of our superheroes aging up a little bit and being, you know, family people. Not that that doesn't happen in the comics, but even if you look at DC's Superman and Lois, mm-hmm. it's all about their family life. It's about being a parent. And so I feel like they're trying to hit, hit two levels here. They're trying to reach the aging mainstream geek audience, because let's face it, MCU's been out for what? Yeah, more than now. a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while also pulling in their their kids. So I, well, I think and, it's really interesting. And it's also touching on stuff that we're seeing in upcoming uh, series and, and movies as well. Like one of the stories we did not include in our lineup was about the first look of the Powerpuff Girls, which we realized it's kind of hard to do that in an audio only podcast to talk about a first look. Yeah. <laughs> but we know that that series is going to be a live action series about the three Powerpuff girls who have grown up. They're young adults now, and they are somewhat resentful over the fact that they weren't able to have a real childhood because they were always saving the world. And they're just a lot of similar themes, right? Like reluctant Mm -hmm. heroes or um, heroes who are having second thoughts or people who question their heroism, whether or not they really are heroes or if they just happen to be people who punch really hard. It's it's interesting. Uh, I do wonder if this will create a kind of superhero burnout. But to be fair, I was wondering that about seven or eight years ago. And yeah. we haven't hit it yet. Same, same. Now, did you like the trailer? Is this a show that you would want to watch? I thought the trailer looked really interesting. Uh, it did. I wouldn't say it hooked me where I feel like it's a must watch for me. But it was interesting enough where I thought I might I might give this a couple episodes to see if it clicks with me because uh, the effects actually look really good for a made yeah. for like series type of thing the acting looks like it's really good I just uh, and even like stuff like the costumes and things I kind of dig like they're very you know stereotypical superhero-y mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to need to watch like a full episode and see how the narrative is constructed before I really understand and, and feel if it's it's for me or not. What about you? Um, I you know, I went into the trailer going, I'm going to love this. I like Mark Miller's other work. Uh, I really enjoy Kick-Ass and Kingsman and things like that and some of his Marvel stuff. So I went into it going, yes, this is this is a show that is made for me. I don't know. It just had a slight edge of cheese, but that just might have been them trying to hit all of like the little hooks that they're putting into the show so that anybody who watches the trailer would get a little bit of something that would snag them. You know, now that you say that, I am reminded of a line that I absolutely detest because it's it's such a cliche, which is the world is changing. That line is literally in the trailer. <laughs> it's It feels like that line is in like, every movie from like 2010 forward, right? The world is changing and, uh, and you're just like, Oh, come on, man. I don't, I'm so tired. It's like hearing someone talk about the last year and saying, it's been a tough time for everybody. Can we just not, we just know it. All right. Can we just skip that part? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something we don't know a lot about and we don't want to skip 
oh, at least I don't want to skip, Jonathan might, is yeah. a new Star Trek film coming out in 2023. Uh, I have liked all of the new Star Treks movies. Um, I like the Even first the one. Even the Wrath of Khan one. Oh, no. Mm, Into Darkness? No. Bad movie? No. No cookie. No cookie for, for that movie. Yep, yeah, uh, this is a this is a new film. Uh, there were a whole bunch of different Star Trek projects that were in development over the last couple of years. Uh, from what we understand, this is not reflective of any of those. It's something entirely different. J.J. Abrams is going to produce it. Um, but that's about all we know. We don't know if it's going to be set in the same timeline as the previous Star Trek, you know, most recent Star Trek films, or if it'll be something different. Yeah, yeah, that's all we know. I will say that one of the rumors was that it was going to be written by Kalinda Vasquez, who is a writer and producer on Star Trek Discovery, which obviously if it's J.J. Abrams, it's probably not a collaboration. I would assume that's just a complete factless assumption. But that being said, I have been picking back up on Discovery and, you know, I like it, this go through. <sighs> oh, <laughs> Oh, my heart. Oh, my heart. Do you also like Picard? I I haven't watched all of that yet. Uh, okay. uh, but I have to I have to catch up. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so I've watched I've watched some of both, but I haven't watched it all the way through because we didn't have CBS access for a while. So I was picking it up as I could. So I'm I'm re binging them all and, and re assimilating them all. I think it's just I have such a fondness for the characters and the universe that I like it's easy to please me. I don't fault you for liking it. Uh, you can like things that I don't like, and that you, is perfectly fine. Your sigh was first, uh, very faulting. But I think what it is, is I remember Discovery being so dark the first go round that when I'm watching it now, I see a lot more of the hope and happiness. And that's kind of cool. I think I just don't feel like it. Like, I, I feel like there's it, it's hard for me to feel like there's a cohesive universe at play. Because things change so much, and especially since Discovery is not so, not that long of a timeline difference between that and the original series, it feels misaligned to me. But I get that. But I'm also old and grouchy. I so I mean, you're at least grouchy. Well, <laughs> going from spacemen to space robots, 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 Netflix is working on a Gundam live action movie. The live action part is the thing that gets me. Yeah. Yeah. Written by the comic book writer, Brian K. Vaughn, directed by the guy who directed Kong Skull Island. And um, yeah, I mean, like, well, there was a live action Transformers movie. There were several of them. (sighs) They're all terrible. And I highly recommend you never watch them. I think what it was, was that I watched Mega 64 do a 10 minute version of Evangelion recently, no. like the Swedish cut of Evangelion. And they were all in <laughs> homemade costumes and things like that. So when I think of a live action Gundam, that's where my brain immediately goes, which is probably not accurate. You're probably, it probably will be closer to Transformers. I do like that genre, although I am not as familiar with Gundam myself. I will also say I like the comic book saga. It's a good space opera and Gundam is a space opera. So I'm hopeful. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the next step up, like all the giant robot stuff I used to watch, they all fell into the general category of 
a little kid somehow gets control of an enormous robot, and that is seems to be okay. Like, it's a robot that could easily be a weapon of mass destruction, but it's okay. This little kid controls it and helps save the universe. That was like like Gigantor, like all the, all the shows I watched fell into that category. And as uh, as Polygon points out, and we'll link to the, the story in our show notes, uh, Polygon points out that, that Gundam was really kind of a, a stage, a step in maturity when it comes to enormous space robots fighting each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I look forward to it. Um, I don't I don't think I'll have to watch the entire anime beforehand, but maybe. Yeah. And uh, we've got one last story for our little headlines here that we want to conclude on that also ties back to Netflix, which is that Netflix and Sony Pictures Entertainment have signed an exclusivity deal where Netflix will get the exclusive streaming rights to all new Sony Pictures Entertainment movies, which get ready, y'all. There's been a fight of brewing. That means that the Spider-Man movies are going to be exclusively streaming to Netflix, which means Spider-Man is not going to get to join his buddies in the MCU over at Disney plus. Yeah, that's, it's a weird one for me because they canceled all of the, you know, the defenders level Marvel shows to get them to separate out Disney material from Netflix. Although I know that there are certain Marvel movies due to past deals that still continue to be on Netflix as well. Uh, but it's also bad news for stars because stars has been carrying a lot of that Sony stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This is a kind of leading into that, that world that people were worried about where you start seeing specific properties align with specific streaming services. And it means that you have to make tough choices when it comes to which services you subscribe to, whether you subscribe to multiple ones, how many do you subscribe to until you're like, I'm spending way too much per month just so that mm -hmm. I have access to all these things. Um, it's, there. yeah, no, me too. I actually was debating, uh, before the recording of this podcast, canceling one of my streaming service subscriptions because I don't remember the last time I actually accessed it. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost need like a fantasy football level spread chart of all of my different subscriptions when the shows I like on each of them comes out so that I know when to start one and then cancel it and start the other one. I have Netflix, so and I do watch it. I love some of the shows that are regular on there, and I can also rewatch some of my old favorites. The other thing about this is there, I've heard a lot of speculation on whether some of the 2022 movies, which is when this is going to start, that are coming out are going to go straight to streaming on Netflix, things like Uncharted or, or Morbius, or if they're going to do what HBO Max is doing and do a streaming and theater release at the same time. I mean, that's all speculation, but yeah. I am curious. I'm sure the, I'm sure all the theaters are now hoping that we'll go back to the old ways of having, you know, several months in between when a film comes out to hit theaters before it starts streaming so that mm -hmm. it gives more reason to go to theaters. But we still don't really know what a post herd immunity world is going to look like. We, I mean, there's no telling when we're going to actually reach herd immunity. Vaccination rollout is still very much in progress. The state we yeah. live in is, is way behind. So, um, you know, there's, there are a lot of unanswered questions and I think everyone is just sort of hedging their bets right now. They're hoping to get back to releasing films in theaters and getting those big box office weekends. 
then transitioning over to streaming. But I just don't know if that's the world we're going to go back to yet or not. Yeah, me neither. I, I mean, I hope so. I I just got my second vaccination shot and I'm not quite in the clear to to start you know visiting friends yet. But even when I am, I don't know how soon I'll be comfortable sitting in a theater with people. I mean, if it's at an off time and I'm myself and my husband are the only people in there, sure. But you know, if it's if it's a crowded theater, I don't know when when I'll feel comfortable with yeah. that. Yeah, but no, I feel the same way, Ariel. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna have a discussion about some things that we think are sort of introductory materials to get people into the geek world, because. For most of us, at some point or another, we weren't geeks, but then we had geekdom either thrust upon us or we naturally grew into it. So what properties are the ones that kind of lead people down the geeky primrose path? We're going to find that out after this quick break. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. 
So you said that some of us were not geeks, but had geeks geekdom thrust upon us. I don't think that actually applies to you or I, Jonathan. Hell no. I was born into it. I mean, my parents are both science fiction authors. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I my parents gave me a framed crayon picture that I drew when I was four years old. And the title of the picture is Gollum in the Ring. So, yeah, I was mm-hmm. from birth a geek, but not everybody is. No, no. I mean, I've had quite a few friends that I've had to introduce and ease into things like Doctor Who. So, yeah, you know. no, I mean, and some of us who are lifelong geeks have had a physical rejection of Doctor Who. Listen, Jonathan, uh, that's OK, even though I disagree with you. Uh, I, I'm not but, saying it's bad. I'm just saying I couldn't get into it. And I tried. I got all the way to Matt Smith and I was like, I'm done. Look, I that is that is definitely the case for, I would say, a large group of people. You know, it is pretty schlocky in some areas. But I do know that you and I both have friends who are not necessarily geeks, but we want to share that passion with them. I know I do. I would say, like, the thing that I have found to be the most bridging and also the most furious to me is something like Big Bang Theory or even a little bit IT crowd. I I like the people who are on it. I don't like this necessarily the stereotypes that it brings, but it has opened up to like, you know, a lot of my coworkers or things like that. This love of geekdom through the love of the geeks that are being portrayed. Yeah, um, I feel you there. Uh, Yeah, I have very strong feelings about the Big Bang Theory. Uh, I have strong feelings about the creator of the IT crowd for different, totally different reasons. Um, I think the the performances on the IT crowd are really fun. And I think the humor is really fun Mm -hmm. for most of it. There's some episodes that are, uh, you know, the word problematic is used way too much, but there are some episodes that are just not good when you start to deconstruct where the humor is Mm -hmm. coming from. There's one in particular I'm thinking of. Um, yes, but big bang theory has that problem pretty much every, every episode after like halfway through the first season, I felt big bang theory started off cute In fact, let me tell you the first thing I ever saw of Big Bang Theory, which fooled me into thinking this was a show that I was going to love. Mm -hmm. It was an episode in which uh, the characters are bidding online for what they think of is a model of the the H.G. Wells time machine, the one with the big disc that is it's like a chair with a giant disc that's mounted behind it. The disc slowly rotates and they think they're they're bidding on a model and it turns out they're bidding on a full scale replica of the time machine. Like it's enormous and they set it up in their apartment and then they get to take turns uh, playing in the time machine. And so one of them sits down and begins to move the controls and all the others suddenly start running around acting like they're moving in fast motion. Like the idea being that, that, the person's moving through time quickly. That moment, I was like, this show is for me. It's a celebration of geekdom. These are friends who are encouraging this person's love of a particular piece of science fiction, you know, iconography, and they are feeding into their imagination. And that's wonderful. 
And then I watched another episode and I thought, oh, that's not what this show is. No. No, it, it, I mean, you laugh a lot at the geeks as opposed to with them. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I laugh at myself and my friends all the time. But, you know, I, I do feel like while it's not a proper uh, depiction of what a geek is in today's society, I do feel like it has opened a lot of my mundane friends up to looking at some of the superhero stuff or sci-fi stuff that those characters were interested in because they're interested in those characters. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So we both talk about being kind of raised as geeks. Were there any kind of genres or subgenres that you weren't necessarily a fan of from birth that you kind of grew to love because of a specific property? I know I'm setting you up for like, a stumper of a question. If it helps, I can talk about one for me. Uh, you go ahead and talk about it first. Cause I do have to really think about this. I've talked about this before, but for me, like the movie gremlins was kind of a gateway film into horror for me because gremlins, when you look at it, it's, it's a, it's a horror comedy. Um, it's a little heavier on the horror than, well, a lot heavier on the horror than its sequel, which is more of a zany comedy which I love, by the way. But the first Gremlins is, uh, you know, it's not really scary if you're an adult. Not really. There's a couple of jump scares, but it's not terrifying. As a kid, it was scarier, right? It's playing upon your imagination. Mm -hmm. It's taking this cute little animal and then spawning all these terrible monsters out of it. And uh, the sort of the stuff of nightmares. But it was also very accessible. Like it wasn't over the top gruesome or gory apart from like a blender scene and a microwave scene. Um, <laughs> and it was also had entertaining moments, like funny moments in it. And that became a gateway of what I got. The next movie I can think of watching that falls into that category is the gate, which was another, that's like a Canadian horror movie that, that's really freaky, but very accessible to kids. And it also speaks to kids. Like it doesn't speak down to them. It, it speaks to kids like, like they're adults. And it doesn't, you know, patronize. And that to me is what started me watching horror films. And, um, you know, for a long time, I didn't really think that those kind of movies existed anymore. And then a few years ago, the uh, the movie Krampus came out. And, you know, it's a, a, a Christmas-themed horror movie. And Krampus felt a lot like Gremlins in spirit to me in that, Again, it's a movie that I feel like could be accessible to a younger audience without it being, you know, the gruesome horror of, say, an Eli Roth movie. And uh, it could get kids interested in horror and then sort of lead them down that path of uh, discovering other types of movies. See, most of the genres that I've had to grow into, I wouldn't have said as I was growing into them that they were geek genres. So things like Westerns or military movies or... Or scary movies. You know, I, I enjoy scary movies a lot more and scary television shows and things like that as I've grown up and kind of been able to separate the story from reality, which has always been my big problem. Um, you know, the same with with Western and, and, and war movies, kind of. But again, like, unless it's got that sci-fi fantasy aspect to it, like, I like King Arthur, I like Westworld but I'm not really going to watch, you know, Apocalypse Now. Um, <laughs> I don't like a lot of military sort of video games, but I like Halo, you know, because it's got that sci-fi aspect to it. So 
That's a hard one. Um, I would say that, um, you know, one of the, in our show notes, I wrote the MCU is kind of a gateway because mm-hmm. MCU is definitely mainstream. I mean, you look at like some of the top performing movies of the last decade and a half and the vast majority of them, or at least half of them are superhero movies. And once upon a time, superheroes were kind of a, a niche thing, but they are definitely mainstream. And I would argue that's sort of a gateway right there. I, I would say so, too. I think, you know, Mythbusters or Sherlock or or something like that that deals with the science or the mystery or or the at least the ideas of the fantastical, because even though Sherlock outside of the Irregulars, you know, always has an explanation. There's always that little bit at the beginning of what is what is happening here, you know. Uh, Mr. Robot, like that's a sci-fi, but it's it's kind of couched in a, a possible reality. I feel like all of those are are great gateways for people into things like science fiction. The uh, the one that really surprised me that has spanned all of all of the people I know almost is Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, Game of Thrones. You wouldn't think that high fantasy. Would I mean, granted, Lord of the Rings, that was a phenomenon, too, right? Like when the Lord of the Rings movies came out, that also broke out beyond just fantasy geeks. That was filling up theaters. But Game of Thrones was such a cultural phenomenon. uh, You could argue that it was because a lot of the early shows were heavy on the violence and the nudity. But there was obviously more than that. People got connected to characters. They cared what was going on despite the fact that week after week they were taught that you shouldn't like anybody because as soon as you do, they're going to die. You know, but yeah, I would say that that was one of those, those shows where if you had told me five years before game of Thrones came out, that one of the top television series uh, dominating ratings was going to be a fantasy series based off of a series of novels. I would have thought you were joking. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, and it's it's weird because like some of the people I know who are the fiercest fans are people who self-admittedly do not like any other fantasy. They don't like science fiction. They barely like, uh, you know, speculative fiction. Uh, so, see, it's that's weird to me because as a fan of uh, of fantasy and science fiction and speculative fiction, uh, I, I fell off of Game of Thrones. Um, I read the books. Uh, as far as they have been written so far. And then uh, I had only ever, in fact, to this day, I've only ever seen the first episode of the television series. I never watched beyond it. Um, I knew what happened because of course I did, because there was no way of avoiding it. Everyone talked about it, Mm -hmm. but uh, it was, it was at a point where the show finally got beyond where the books left off and a specific event happened that convinced me to just walk away from Game of Thrones forever uh, and not look back. And it's so interesting to me that so many people got heavily invested and they stayed with that show all the way to the end. And they don't care for other types of fantasy because I have the opposite uh, experience, having a love of fantasy, Mm -hmm. but not being able to buy into Game of Thrones, mostly because if I'm being honest, it felt like misery porn to me. 
I I can definitely see that. And I'll say, you know, I I watched the first few seasons and then I took a big break in the middle and then I watched the last two seasons as well. Um, And I'll say that like the end of it was much better than the beginning of it. And, And much like the reboot of Battlestar Galactica or something like that, I had to know what I was getting into and like prepare myself to be able to appreciate it. To be fair, I also have to do that with Jurassic Park, which <laughs> is, I think, another great gateway property because it's science fiction based on something that people could imagine happening. So, yeah, or at least it's science fiction to me. Maybe it's not officially science fiction. I, no, it's science fiction. Yeah, it's absolutely. Okay. It's using science to to create clones of dinosaurs. A, I mean, that's about world. that's definitely science. I mean, if you're telling me it's science fact, we got to go to Jurassic Park. <laughs> I know there's a new roller coaster. Oh, I mean, that's that's at Universal, and I do want to ride that as soon as it's safe for me to do so. Yeah, no, I I think it opens June 11th, and I'm like, huh, when, when will I feel comfortable enough to go to Universal? <laughs> First of all, I'm not going to Florida in June. That's just not happening. <laughs> <laughs> it will be a little bit warm then, at the least. Yeah, so interesting discussion. I'm very curious... Uh, if our listeners have suggestions of sort of gateway properties that you feel are good introductions into the world of geekdom and, you know, kind of maybe at a di- at different age range ranges as well, because obviously Game of Thrones would not be appropriate to show to like a 10 year old, <laughs> but uh, not at all. And see, here's the other thing is that it like my perception of this is obviously shaped by my age. Like I, I brought up gremlins. Mm-hmm which I don't know that I would show that to a young kid just because the pacing is different. The effects are different. It's a, you know, the way things have changed. I'm not sure how well that movie has aged with regard to a new audience. Right. So I'm curious if people have other suggestions. I mean, we are getting a gremlins cartoon, so maybe that'll reach the newer generation. I wonder uh, if Minecraft would be considered a gateway property. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. Like whenever I see anyone in a, in a, a kid in a Minecraft shirt, when we were working the Renaissance festival, if I saw them, I would do the creeper thing, uh, which sometimes they understood and sometimes they didn't. And that's when I knew they just played in creative mode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do hope to hear from you on, you know, your opinions of, of gateway properties, things that got you into the geekdom. Uh, but first we've got to give you a mashup. And before that, We've got to take a quick break. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it. Your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, Ariel. Yes. So no one told you life was going to be this way. Your job's a joke. You're broke. Your love life's DOA. Looks like you're always stuck in second gear. It hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. What's our mashup? Um, it's Loki meets friends. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to work in, I'll be there for you. Yeah, no, I didn't give you any opportunity. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, so Jonathan and I are both excited about Loki. That's even though we didn't talk about it this week in our new segment, we've talked about it plenty of times. Yeah, l- um, really looking forward to that series. I mean, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'm still enjoying, uh, despite some reservations about some of the episodes, mm-hmm. but I cannot wait for Loki. Me, me neither. And something people have waited for for a long time is the friends special coming out to HBO max. We got, which got delayed twice, Yeah, but has finally finished up filming. So yeah. it's finally wrapped. And I know that friends is not, it's more pop culture than geek culture. Although I feel like the lines are really blurred nowadays. Yeah. Because if you take a show like friends that was popular, you know, 16 years ago, dear goodness, uh, <laughs> And people are still enjoying it today. That kind of makes it a geekdom. Oh yeah, it? no, I I think so. And it's like the fact that I I will see some kids who weren't even born when the show came out talking about watching the show blows my mind because uh, I, I never thought of it being a show that would have that kind of staying power. Then again, I mean, like I grew up watching reruns that had long been off the air by the time I was a kid, Same. so it's not like it's that unusual. Um, But yeah, so we decided that we were going to take the property of Friends and mash it up with Loki and find out what the heck happens. 
And I can't wait to find out what Ariel did. <laughs> okay, so this may not go the direction you expect it to. Uh, it didn't go the direction I expected to when I was writing it, but this is called Could You Be Any More Trickster? Uh, <laughs> I love it already. All right. After past Loki stole the Tesseract, a.k.a. the shiny blue Avenger cube, in 2012, we all know he got captured by the Time Variance Authority. That's what the new Loki show is about. And he was forced to fix all of the timelines that his actions created. He was pretty good at it, and the TVA decided to keep him around once he had cleaned up his own mess. Unfortunately, the TVA didn't trust Loki as far as they could throw him, which isn't very far. I don't know if you know this, but half frost giants are actually pretty dense. Uh, so when they weren't using him, he was relegated to a cell. And the only show that played on his tiny cell television was reruns of Friends. Loki hated it at first, but eventually the show grew on him like Chandler's third nipple. And he started wishing he could live in the Friends universe instead of at the end of time with the Time Variance Authority. Uh, so he started making plans. Each time the TVA sent him out and he encountered a variant of an Avenger in a timeline, just as he was about to prune and end that timeline, he would sneakily abduct that Avenger variant and stick them into his own little secret <laughs> pocket dimension to inhabit his own little Friends world. Soon he had variants of Bruce Banner, Scarlet Witch, Black Widow, Iron Man, and of course, Thor, and he knew it was time to make his move. He disappeared into the pocket dimension, magicking the portal behind him to lock it closed, and created his own little corner of New York and Scepter Perk. Uh, he made himself the Monica of the group, because of course, she's the master planner. Iron Man, because he was neurotic, became Chandler. Black Widow with her outward put-togetherness appearance but secretly soft, soft heart became Rachel. Bruce Banner was Ross, who, if you aren't familiar with Friends, is kind of short-tempered himself. And Thor became, as Loki viewed it, the stupid dummy poo-poo-head Joey. And Scarlet Witch was made Phoebe because mysticalness. Anyhow, <laughs> things went well for Loki at first, and he was happy because everyone else was slightly miserable. Tony Bing was really good at what he did, but no one knew what that was or even cared. Bruce Geller constantly was a doormat in an effort not to get mad or show his cards and only occasionally punched a dinosaur bone. Uh, Tasha Green, Natasha, hated serving coffee and Thory was living in a state of constant rejection. How art thou doing? <laughs> <laughs> Wanda Buffet did seem a little off, but that wasn't out of her character either. Unfortunately, what Loki didn't know was that he had nabbed the variant of Scarlet Witch that had just come out of the hex in WandaVision, and she quickly recognized the pattern uh, that she was in. It was so similar to what she had just been through. She knew something was up, and she devised a plan. The plan would require her to out herself to Loki, though. So she told Loki, hey... I see what you're doing, one magic user to another, uh, but it's cool. I'm down with it. Uh, and she convinced Loki that his little version of Scepter Perk didn't mean anything if other people couldn't see his genius and appreciate it. So in a moment of vain oversight, Loki replaced all versions of Friends across all universes with his own. Wanda knew that someone would see the broadcast and realize what was happening and stop Loki. 
But then she worried that he would be too clever for that and see that coming, so she had to get him to hobble his intelligence. So she played to his pride and jealousy. She pointed out how happy Thor was at getting all the girls and having all the sandwiches and, you know, all the how you doing. And if Loki switched places with him, not only would he have this universe where people could appreciate his genius, but he would also be the most popular. Thor, being Monica, would realize what was wrong, but wouldn't be able to fix it, and everything would be perfect. Loki fell for it, locked away his intelligence to become the perfect Joey, so when the TVA did track him down and broke into his pocket dimension to free everyone, he was unable to stop them. So the TVA freed everybody, uh, and unfortunately got rid of them because that's what they do with alternate timelines, but they didn't get rid of Loki. He was still really good at what he did. They put him back in his cell, took away his TV, and to give him a little bit extra bit of punishment, they made him subsist on meatball subs and coffee for the rest of his existence. I uh, I love your take. It is so different from mine. It was amazing. I love that there was some yeah. division in there. That was fantastic too. Really creative. I love it. Um, thank you. Thank you. Okay. So here's mine. It's called with friends, low keys. Um, Ooh. yeah. Instead of like with, with like friends like these. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Ross has a problem. He was looking forward to sitting down and eating the infamous Turkey moist maker sandwich. You know, the sandwich that has Turkey, uh, stuffing piece of gravy, soaked bread in the middle, some cranberries, but someone appears to have eaten it again. And it's been years since he worked for Dr. Ledbetter. Who could have done such a thing? Well, as it turns out, that who is a trickster god by the name of Loki, adopted son to Odin and brother to Thor. Yes, Loki is Ross's new roommate. Chandler is living with Monica. Joey's not really hanging out with them anymore. And well, Ross just has to deal with this. Ross discovers Loki's transgressions and the god seems amused. That is, until Ross, in righteous fury, begins to advance on Loki. Fearing for his life, and Ross's anger is beyond even that of a frost giant, Loki decides he has to open up a portal and jump in it. But he doesn't close it fast enough, and next thing he knows, Ross is right on his tail in another dimension. Loki on the run begins a desperate series of jumps from one reality to the next. One moment, he's in New York running through a comedian's apartment as the comedian is having a conversation with his group of friends. And it's all about nothing. And all of his friends are terrible. And <laughs> Ross chases after him saying, excuse me, Mr. Seinfeld, as he does. Then a portal opens into a restaurant called Riffs, where a couple named Paul and Jamie Buckman are having dinner. And a waitress named Ursula is doing a really bad job of taking their order. And Loki dives over the table and out through the door, pursued by Ross, who yells, Hi, Phoebe, to Ursula, who looks, like, really annoyed. And then Loki passes into a portal and then appears in a living room where a small, furry, brown creature is chasing after a cat and calling it a snack. He doesn't waste another second as Ross closes in, goes through another portal. Loki then jumps into yet another portal, stops short, looks around. Ross jumps right through behind Loki, collides with him. But before Ross can throw a punch, he too stops and looks around. And the two are in a vast building with these weird balconies that look down into the open center of this very tall structure. Uh, there are elevators going up and down in a central bank in the middle of it. And it is, in fact, 
the Marriott Marquis in downtown Atlanta. Uh, I'm sorry. Wait, wait. No, I'm sorry. It's the Time Variance Authority or TVA headquarters. Ross, catching his breath, asks Loki where they ended up and Loki doesn't know. But then they both encounter Owen Wilson, who explains that in order to fix all the timelines that have been broken, they're going to have to go through and have a series of adventures throughout all these different realities of various NBC sitcoms. And he explains that, sure, friends in Seinfeld coexist because of a tenuous connection thanks to Mad About You, but Alf is right out. So Loki and Ross, uh, the most unlikeliest of duos, set up out on a series of adventures to repair the multiverse. And they visit different timelines, they get into scrapes, they find clever escapes, and finally they end up back in New York at Central Perk. Everything has been set right. Ross, flabbergasted, exhausted, trying to process everything that has happened, sits down on the couch, just slumps into the couch. And during their adventures, Loki managed to snag Ross's sandwich before a past Loki could actually eat it. So he hands over the sandwich to a grateful Ross, who sets it reverently upon the table. Loki walks out of the coffee shop, just as Ross's friends, you know, the ones from the title, come inside. <laughs> and they sit down and they talk about their day. And then they notice that Ross is there and they ask him how he's doing. And Ross, a little bit at a loss for words, tries to explain, but the friends kind of get really bored until Ross hears Joey say, say, man, this is a good sandwich. And yes, Joey has picked up Ross's sandwich and started eating it as Ross tried to talk about his day. So of course, Ross murders Joey. The end. I loved it. I now wish I had put more MCU television shows into my mashup to match the level of 90s sitcoms in yours. I know, right? Like, uh, the only reason I did that was because I happened to remember that Friends was linked to Mad About You because the character of Ursula showed up in Mad About You before Friends was ever a thing. Then Friends established that Ursula and Phoebe are twins. And then in an episode about Mad About You, it was indicated that at one point, Paul Reiser's character lived in the apartment that Kramer lived in. And so that means all three of those shows have to exist in the same shared universe. That's brilliant. I also love that Owen Wilson was Owen Wilson. Yes, he's Owen Wilson. Like, because I don't know what his character name is in Loki, so he's just Owen Wilson. <laughs> it's Morbius and Morbius. Uh, that makes apparently. sense. Uh, but it was, uh, that was such a great mashup. I loved it. I almost almost did something with that turkey sandwich too. It's the one that so. it's the, it's the episode I always think about. Cause it's also the, you referenced the fact that, you know, Bruce Banner and yours was Ross because of the rage thing. And that's the episode that, that started off that whole rage storyline. That's where he had to start taking the medication for his rage. Yes. Yes. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. But if you guys out there have an idea of how you would mash up Loki and friends, we really do want to hear it. So you should write to us. Yes, write to us. The email address is lnc at iheartmedia.com. That's where you can send your long form messages. If you want to be brief, you have a really short version, you can reach out on Twitter. The handle we use there is lnc underscore podcast. Or you can drop us a line on Facebook or Instagram where we are Large Nerdron Collider. And if you would like to visit our website where we include stuff like show notes, that's largenerdroncollider.com. 
Yes. And if you like the show, tell your friends. Make sure you subscribe. Yeah. You know, the more people that listen, the more people write in and give us great ideas for mashups or their takes on our topics. And we just love having that conversation with everybody. It's a lot of fun. We really enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I am Jonathan Strickland. And I am Ariel Swamp Thing Caston. Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. This show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.